This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Let's pray first. Father, we come to you now as your little children that need you to teach us. We pray you do that in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 27, verse 11. Jesus stood before the governor. This is Pilate, the governor. Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused of the chief priest and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? He answered him to never a word insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast, at that feast, the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Messiah or Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him, and when he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whether of the twain will ye that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto him, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Messiah? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. The governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? They cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that there rather a tumult was made, he took water, washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I'm innocent of the blood of this just person. See ye to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. And released he Barabbas unto them, and when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Now, in our last study, we read an astounding response, which we've just read again, of Jesus Christ to, that he had to all the accusations of the chief priests and the elders. And his response to the chief priests and the elders was, verse 12, when he was accused of the chief priests and the elders, he answered, nothing. His response was silence. He answered nothing. He was, si- he was the silent prisoner. All those chief priests and those elders were yelling at him, and it was as though he couldn't hear. It was as though he was deaf. 
And then Pilate further challenged him, as we saw in verse 13, then sighed Pilate unto him, hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? Pilate is also astounded with the silence of Jesus Christ, the prisoner, and Pilate says to Christ, are you deaf? Have you not heard how many accusations they brought against you? Do you have nothing to say in response to all those charges that have been raised against you? Pilate is now yelling at Christ, don't you hear all the things that they're saying against you? And here again, the response of Christ the prisoner is, in verse 14, he answered him to never a word. Now, that is a King James phrase. In my opinion, it could not be more elegantly stated as it is put in verse 14 during the time of Shakespeare with Cambridge and Oxford universities, they came up with beautiful wording. He answered him to never a word. It's like each one of those words that Pilate was projecting at Christ were like bullets of a machine gun. Bam, 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 bam. And Christ didn't answer to not one of those words. Pilate had many words he was yelling to Christ. Christ did not give an answer even to one of Pilate's words. Christ the prisoner is in a state of silence. That's the scene. It's the scene of the chief priests and the elders and Pilate all yelling at Christ, the prisoner, and yet with all that noise, Christ remains in this state of silence. It's very attractive majesty here in Christ's silence in the face of all these accusations, the demand to Pilate to respond. It's just like the hymn, that says majestic sweetness sits enthroned upon the Savior's brow, his head with radiant glorious crown. He saw me plunged in deep distress and flew to my relief. For me, he bore the shameful cross and carried all my griefs. Now, we look at Christ the prisoner in this state of silence, we wanna understand, and for us to understand why Christ was silent, I want you just to, to imagine with me a little boy. A little boy, he's playing baseball in Little League. A little boy has, has been called at bat and he's standing there at the plate. His father has brought him to the baseball game and his father is sitting in the stands. And more than anything else in the world, this little boy just wants to put a smile on his father's face. He wants to make his father happy with him. More than anything else in the world, he wants to look up at the stand and see his father smiling at him. So there's this baseball field. I mean, there's this baseball, whatever you call it there, and it's filled with people. His teammates are in the dugout, and all the other parents and all the people are up there in the stands, and there's the coach, there's the other team, but for this little boy, there's only one person there, and that's his father, who's up in the stands. And the little boy just wants to please his father. Now, his father has coached him in the baseball all along since he started Little League, and now, 
the little boy standing at the plate and he's remembering, he's remembering all his father taught him as he stands there at bat. There are a lot of voices yelling at that little boy. The other side is taunting the little boy, swing, swing. His teammates are encouraging the little boy, wait for the good pitch. And then, then there's all the shouts from all, everybody, all the parents, everybody up in the stands, they're all have assigned themselves coach as well. But at that moment, that little boy, he doesn't hear anyone because that little boy takes his stands at the plate. He's standing up there, and then he looks over his shoulder at his dad. He's just got, he's focused on his dad. Looks over his head, he says, and he, with that look, he's got that look of, you know, he's standing there, he looks over, he's got that look of, how am I doing? How am I doing, dad? And, and, and with each pitch, the little boy then looks over to his dad and to find out, how'd I do? How'd I do, dad? And then the boy gets a hit and he runs, 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 runs to the plate. And his heart's beating and he gets there and the boy's on the plate and everybody's yelling at him. First base coach, yell, everybody's yelling at him. But the little boy, again, he just looks over his dad. And he, how do I do, dad? And his dad gives him this smile. And the boy says, I'm happy because I put a smile on my dad's face. There's only one person that that little boy is focused on, it's his dad. And everyone there can be yelling at the little boy, and, he, and it's just like he doesn't hear him because he's so focused on his dad. That's why Christ gave no answer to the chief priests and the elders and Pilate. He was like the little boy in the Little League game. Christ the prisoner standing there before Pilate was Christ at bat at the plate. And Christ, the prisoner before Pilate, was taken up with the great concern of looking over his shoulder at his dad. And Christ, the prisoner, he's looking at God the Father, and he's looking for that response, how am I doing? How'd I do? And he knew that before Pilate, he was only there to obey his father. His father had asked him, please, Offer yourself a sacrifice for sins. And standing before Pilate, Christ knew that he was the focus of God the Father, and Christ had one focus before Pilate. Not the chief priest, not the elders, not Pilate. His focus was also on the Father. And like that little boy, more than anything else in the world, Christ just wants to make his father happy with him. More than anything else in the world, Christ just wants to put a smile on his father's face. The place is filled with people. There's the shouts of the chief priests and the elders and Pilate. But for Christ, there's only one person there. It's his father. He just wants to please his father. That's all that's important to Christ. And that's why we see Christ the prisoner before the chief priest, the elders, Pilate, in a state of silence. He's intensely focused on his father. And during that time, he just wants to please God. He didn't care about what was said against him because he knew his hour had come. Christ heard the call, batter up, and Christ is standing at the plate. 
And those pitches that were being hurled at him were all those false accusations against him. But it was his time now to accomplish his promise that he made to the Father. And his promise was, Matthew 26, 39, Matthew 26, 39, not as I will, but as thou wilt. That's a promise. And he made that promise. And he knew what his father's will was. And so standing there as an accused prisoner, Christ was in perfect peace. And that's why we see him as it describes him in 1 Peter 2.23, 1 Peter 2.23. When he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Christ at that moment, another scene in the Bible. Christ was like Isaac that was bound and laying with his face up on that altar of stones that Abraham had made on Mount Moriah. And as Isaac saw the face of his father Abraham, Isaac also saw the knife that was in Abraham's hand that was being raised above him to kill him. Genesis 22.9, Genesis 22.9. They came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of the heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, he said, here am I. He said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him, for now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. So just as Isaac, he saw, Isaac saw the hand of his loving father holding the knife that was soon to be plunged, that was soon to plunge Isaac into death. So it was Christ now. And he saw that it was the hand of his loving father that held the knife of suffering over him that soon was going to plunge Christ into death. The only difference between what happened with Isaac, what happened with Christ is that Christ knew there would be no intervening angel to stop it, to stop the hand of God the Father from killing Christ, his only beloved son, in whom the Father was well pleased. So how then, knowing that, the question is, how did Christ cope with this? How did Christ cope there with the fact of Isaiah 53.10? Isaiah 53.10 says, it pleased the Father to bruise him, he hath put him to grief. So how did Christ cope with the fact that it was his father, God the Father, who was calling for the sword to pierce his own beloved son? Zechariah 13.7, Zechariah 13.7. This is God the Father who says, Awake, O sword, against my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow, my friend, my confidant, my close companion, against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts, smite the shepherd. How did he cope with that? Christ coped with that 
with the fact that it was his father's hand that was wounding him. Because it says, as we saw in 1 Peter 2.23, 1 Peter 2.23, that Christ committed himself to him that judges righteously. Christ said to himself, Father knows best. Father knows best. I will commit myself into the hands of him who knows best. That's what he was doing. So just like Isaac, who looked up and saw his father, he saw the knife in his hand, ready to plunge into him, but Christ, but Isaac didn't struggle. Isaac didn't try to get off that altar. He just laid there because he was focused on the face and the eyes of his father Abraham. And Isaac let go. He let go, no struggle, trusting in what the hymn so beautifully, masterfully has put these words together. Isaac was trusting in his father's wise bestowment. And the result was Isaac had no cause for worry or for fear. So that's the hymn, day by day and with each passing moment. Strength I find to meet my trials here. Trusting in my father's wise bestowment, I've no cause for worry or for fear. He whose heart is kind beyond all measure gives unto each day what he deems best. Lovingly, it's part of pain and pleasure, mingling toil with peace and rest. That's how Christ was able to cope with and remain silent in the face of really horrible circumstances because he was trusting in his father's wise bestowment and that caused him to have no cause for worry or for fear. Now, what's important to see here is what Pilate was trying to accomplish when Pilate said to Christ in verse 13, verse 13, then said Pilate unto him, hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? Pilate knew that Pilate was being pushed into crucifying Christ, and Pilate didn't want to do it. He didn't want to do it. And so he knew that it, it was for envy and not real crimes that Christ was brought to him. It says in verse 18, verse 18, he knew that for envy they delivered him. So Pilate there, he wasn't altogether sure all the details about Christ when he asked him in verse 33, verse 33, Pilate entered into the judgment hall again and called Jesus and said unto him, art thou the king of the Jews? I mean, he certainly found no reason, Pilate found no reason to kill Christ. Pilate said in verse 38, verse 38, Pilate saith unto him, what is the truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto him, I find no fault at all. No fault at all, is what he said. So when Pilate asked Christ to respond, say something to the charges against him, Pilate was looking for a basis to tell the Jews that Christ was innocent. He was the lawyer. Pilate at that moment was the lawyer trying to get his client to give him some ammunition to fight against these people who were trying to put him to death. And when Pilate asked, Christ to respond to the charges, there's almost like a desperation in Pilate's voice. As Pilate's trying to get him off the hook. He's trying to, Pilate's actually trying to get out of the trap 
that Pilate has been put into by the chief priests and the elders. It's not that Pilate cared so much for Christ, and Pilate cares for Pilate. And he just didn't want to be forced by the chief priests and the elders to, he didn't want them to succeed in forcing him to kill Christ. That's the only reason that Pilate was asking Christ for arguments that Pilate could use to justify releasing Christ. But Christ would not give him those arguments because Christ was like the little boy playing baseball. He had his eyes on his father who wanted Christ to offer himself as a sacrifice for sins. So when Christ spoke, it was so unusual when he spoke, when he spoke in the past, that temple officers who had come to arrest Christ instead found themselves arrested by Christ, by his words. And they came back to the, the people who sent them from the temple in John 7, 746, John 746, the officers answered, never man spake like this man. When Christ was silent, it was so unusual that Pilate's just trying to get Christ speak. I can get you acquitted because you are the person who never spoke like any person ever spoke. And what Pilate is sitting there, when he's looking at Christ, he's saying, never man was silent like this man who's about to be killed. When Christ was silent, Pilate did not interpret Christ's silence as a contempt against Pilate. He didn't. And that's why Pilate didn't get angry with Christ. When Christ was silent, Pilate saw clearly Christ's silence was against Christ himself. And that's why Pilate just marveled and he didn't get angry in verse 14. Verse 14, he answered him, to never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. I mean, Pilate's trying, for his own personal reasons, to stop Christ from going to the cross to die. And Pilate is trying to get the cooperation from Christ to help Pilate keep Christ from going to the cross to die. And, I mean, this is a man, Christ is a man, who had such power in his words when he spoke words like he did in John 8, 7, John 8, 7, when Christ said to a group of murderous men, he said, he that is without sin among you, let him cast a first stone at her, an adulterous woman. Murderous men at that scene had stones in their hands ready to kill a woman caught in adultery. When he said those words, those men, you could just hear the stones hit the ground. They dropped their stones from their hands and they abandoned their murderous intentions. Pilate knew that. Pilate knew that all Christ had to do was to speak and that crowd of murderous church, chief priests and elders would have dropped their murderous intentions to kill Christ. But Christ didn't speak. And that's why verse 14, verse 14, the governor marveled greatly. And when Pilate saw that Christ was silent, Pilate understood. Pilate says, it's like he wants to go to the cross to die. And Pilate got that right. Pilate got that right. Even though Pilate didn't understand why Christ wanted to go to the cross to die, 
Pilate was right in seeing that Christ's silence was really, it was not that Christ did not want to die because it was like the little boy playing at the little league and Christ had his eye on God the Father and, and Christ had already said in John 10, 17, John 10, 17, therefore does my Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it again. My Father loves me because I lay down my life. That's why he's silent at the, all these accusations that are being hurled at him that are going to condemn him to die on the cross. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.